0: Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word, so grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your my God. So let's just read the story. In case somebody has forgotten it. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain bought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also bought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, But you must rule over it. Cain spoke to his brother Abel. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Abel, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. So let's start to unpack this, this whole passage. Verse 1. Now, Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. So the passage doesn't say that Cain was first, just that he's the first child mentioned and the first male child mentioned. Uh, kind of when we read through we, I think we I don't know if we've been trained by television or soap operas or shows like like Survivor or The Amazing Race where we kind of go each week is a new episode each week just carries on with the next day and and we kind of get that mindset of the next verse is like the thing that happened immediately after that. Because we know that, like, Cain wasn't born, and then nine months later, Abel was born, and then maybe six months later, Abel's out trying to kill Cain, or no, other way around. Cain's trying to kill Abel. We know there, there's this kinds of spans of time within that that's kind of uncertain. And we know that there are probably other siblings being born at this time. And Wayne touched on that before, before he left and just because they're not mentioned doesn't mean they don't exist. It just means they're not a crucial part of that thread or that story. Another example of this was in the New Testament where it says, Jesus' brothers came and talked to him one day, going, you know, what is the thing you're doing? You're preaching and all this? What well, doesn't even name the Jesus' brothers or how many. It, James is kind of the only one that's kind of specified or, or listed that way. And so, you know, it says that, or, so we, we know that Adam and Eve must have been having more kids. And over a length of time, you think over... I kind of, in my mind, I'm always going, oh, the guys were about in their 30s. I don't know, the, when the story of Cain and Abel happened. So in that time, like, obviously there were more children and, and that being born. And someone did some, exa- some examining of, uh, you know, generation. I'm going a little bit off on a side tangent from things I found. But, you know, you look at people in our congregation... Like, I think my grandma, I think when she passed away, she had, like, 20 grandchildren. Like, and that's in three generations, and my grandma was about 86 when she passed away. I don't know. I was going to take a survey in here and find out. You know, the Bible tells us that, that Adam actually lived to be 930 years old. And you go, how does that happen? Well, when you figure he was genetically perfect, he was, like, the very first copy and so his genetics and, and what God has, had put around him allowed him. So you think over 930 years, okay, over, over 80 years, there's 20 grandkids over 930 years. How, may, how much would that multiply? And somebody did a, uh, some math on it and figured there could have been anywhere from 150,000 to 250,000 people on the earth by the time Adam passed away, right? So how's that for like a pull out your wallet, (laughs) these are my grandkids, these are my great-grandkids, my great-great-great-grandkids, you know, so that would have been a long conversation with Adam and Eve. So I'll get, oh, sorry, there's one other rabbit trail I want to go down, because I found it really cool. Um, University of California, Berkeley, which makes no aspersions towards being Christian, did a study of 149 people from across the earth. They took their DNA and they did a a test using mitochondrial DNA, which is passed down from the mother. And they looked at all these threads of of DNA that came from, uh, that they looked at, from 149 people all showed a common female ancestor. And they, you know, they said, they called it Mitochondrial Eve. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> praise the Lord. You know, they, they know, but they don't know. Or they won't admit it. Anyway, so that for that rabbit trail. Okay. So Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, a number of commentaries say that Eve was really excited. Because last week, or, or last chapter, Uh, In Genesis chapter 315, uh, God had just made this promise, this saying, I will make enemies of you and of the woman, as he's talking to Satan in the sermon. And of your offspring and her descendants, he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. And some of the theologians think that, that Eve is hearing this, and this is like her first son, and she's thinking... Here's the answer. God just told me this. And now here's the deliverer. I've given birth to the deliverer. And so she had that picture in her head going forth. And there was, you know, there was some, you know, we kind of write our own stories sometimes. And and connect our own dots. But it, it seems like it doesn't take too long before she realizes Cain isn't really the chosen deliverer. And we're going to get into that. Let's get into the offerings. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. So Cain kind of followed in in Adam's footsteps, and he did what Adam did. He took care of the the fruits and the vegetables. He was the farmer. I think we're on the next slide. And, um, you know, I I made up Abel's stables and Cain's grains. If they had a business, right? And... uh, Abel, he was a shepherd, right? I just figured if, if they had a sign up, there'd be a- Abel stables. And in Genesis 9, it's kind of the first time when they come off the ark, it's kind of the first time that God says, and you shall eat from any of the animals. So it kind of seems, it could, it could be implied that at this point, they're just eating of the fruit of the ground and, and the, the grain and, and that that's been grown, It says in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So there's no, it doesn't lay out in the passage, God told them to bring an offering So you kind of go, okay, let's connect the dots again. Was it Adam and Eve that told them they should make an offering? You know, God seemed to communicate with Cain and Abel as well. So did he ask them for an offering? Or was it just kind of out of the gratitude of their hearts going, look at what the abundance that's that's come forth. And let's honor God by bringing him an offering. Here's my gift to the Lord. Um... The first five books of the Bible are the books that make up the Torah, the, the Jewish, the Hebrew law. And the Hebrew scholars were very invested. Because they were invested in offerings and sacrifices, they were invested in this passage to kind of decide what it means. And when you look at the, at the time of Jesus, there were many sacrifices going on in the temple area. And they were trying to follow the law of God. Making offerings to the Lord. So they invested time into researching this to kind of see what they came up with. And the Hebrew text says that Cain gave some of the fruits of the soil, whereas Abel gave the choice offerings of the firstborn of his flock. So that became somewhat of the focus of that. So when, when Jesus comes into the, the temple area, they're selling acceptable livestock offerings. And they kind of wanted to make sure they got that right. But, uh, and and part of the lesson in this is that God does deserve our best. Right? You might get the impression, you know, Cain just went along and he grabbed, you know, grabbed some apples and picked up some stuff and he just kind of brought that and and gave it to God. And yet when you look at, at, at Abel's sacrifice he chose of the firstborn of the, of the best that he had, and he gave it to the Lord. And, and you know, there could be a whole sermon on uh, how do we give the best to God? What is the best we're giving to, the God, to God? Are we waiting till the end of the month and you see, you know, oh, well, I have $37 left over. That's going to be my offering this week or this month. Am I, you know, are we testing God to see that he's faithful like in all the years of giving, God's never left us short at the end of the month, right? And I don't want to get sidetracked there, but just that that thing of, of let's give of the first fruits, let's give of the best to the Lord. Some said reasons why uh, Cain's offering wasn't good was that it was it was kind of a pride thing, right? He he. You know, as a gardener, you're going clip, clip, snip, snip, pull weeds. And he goes, look at what I've helped, what I've produced. And he's bringing that to God. And yet, when you look at at Abel, he's a shepherd. Yet, to give this sacrifice, to give of these choice pieces, he actually had to kill one of the sheep, one of the lambs that he lived his life protecting right? And so there's an emotional toll that if you've ever had to put down a family pet, like, you know, that, you carry that for year, forever, right? And so there's, there's some of the discussion around, was that some of what Abel brought as he brought his offering? He was bringing some of the brokenness. It's, it's not just about the quality of the sacrifice. Uh, In 1 Samuel, we we see King Saul has been told by God to wipe out the Amalekites. He said, from young to old, and then all their livestock, get rid of them all. Like, because of their sin, because of their evilness. And so Saul goes in, he wipes out all the people, he wipes out the livestock, except he keeps some of the best animals. And then he builds an altar... And he starts a fire on the altar and he puts these best animals. He sacrifices those to God. Well, Samuel comes up to Saul and he says, I have a message for you from God. And Saul's probably going, you know, he likes what I did. And God says, I regret that I ever made you king. You did not follow my instructions. And Saul's going, hey, I gave you the best animals. And God's going, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. Another story from the New Testament that reinforces that it's not about the gift, it's about the heart, is every bit as much, is the story of the widow's mite. Right? And Jesus is talking, he's in the temple, he's going, look at these people who are giving right some people are walking along and they're jingling their coins you know and dropping them one by one into the thing there comes a guy with his big plastic check you know <laughs> to god you know and putting it down there and then along comes the little the little lady and she reaches into her purse and pulls out one little old coin and drops it in and god says or, or jesus says that's the gift that god values because of the heart, not just because of the gift. So let's not miss something in this in this passage. Let's read it one more time. But look at the word and. One little word. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So it shows that it, this tells me that it's about character. It's not, if, if it just said, you know, and the Lord had regard for Abel's offering. But the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. So let's see what we can find out more about these two men. Matthew twenty three thirty five says, Jesus talking, he says, From the blood of righteous Abel. If Jesus calls you righteous, that's a pretty high endorsement. Hebrews 11.4 says, By faith, Abel bought God a better offering than Cain did. And by faith, he was commended as righteous. So it was the faith, it was out of faith that Abel was bringing his gift. When we look at Cain, we look, there's only one passage that I could really find. 1 John 3.12 says, Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother, And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. So it it seems that it's about character. God does not separate the worshiper from the... God looks at the worship and the worshiper. He connects those. He doesn't look at the worship separate from the worshiper. We just finished the study of Daniel, and... You look at, like I was trying to think of who's, who's a good representative of a, of a good character. Someone with good character. And you look at Daniel and go, people were out to get him. They wanted to smear his name. They wanted to go through the streets about how evil he was. When the biggest dirt they can find on you is that you pray regularly. Right? <laughs> if only that's what would be about me. Right? And... Uh, so one, of, so one of the things we do is we make a mistake. We, we ignore God all week. We live life by our own rules all week. And then we come into church and we plop ourselves down and we drop a thing in the offering box and go, God's sure going to be pleased with my gift. But God wants our heart all week long. He doesn't want our leftover You know, I I applaud you guys for making it here in the snow, for making it here when the World Cup game was on this morning. (laughs) Hallelujah. No spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, and it's awesome that you recognize the need to be in God's presence and honor him that way with your life. And I challenge myself every bit as much as I challenge all of you that during the week, let's also take time to get into the word, to get into to communicating with God, to building that character. Let's continue with the story. Uh, find my spot. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but must but you must rule over it. So maybe Cain was sitting there going, I'm the oldest brother. I'm supposed to be the most important. If there's a, you know, I gave something, you know, I it was a huge pile of fruit. Right? Like and and he he in whatever Somehow God communicated that Abel's sacrifice was acceptable and that Cain's wasn't. And Cain was mad and bitter about it. And that root of sin that started in the garden has taken hold in Cain's heart and mind. Now God notices this and God addresses him. He doesn't just go, oh man, Cain's in a bad mood. I'm just not going to talk to him today. God... So God gets in his face and says, you know, you look really grumpy. Like, things are not going well with you. What, what's up? And he says, he, God, gives it, God lays it out. He says, you know, you're not happy with, with my response to your, well, if you do what's right, then you'll be accepted. Cain has a, a chance to address this. He has a chance to to nip his bitterness, his jealousy, his anger. He can nip it in the bud. He has a chance to change his heart and his attitude. But he kind of digs in. See, Cain wants to be accepted on his own terms, not on God's terms. And how many of us have met people who are angry at God because God won't play by their rules? They go, what do you mean God gets to decide that the only way to him is through his son, Jesus Christ? Right? Like, Confucian was a good guy. Maybe, you are know, like, why can't I follow that and still come to God? Right? They want to make the rules for God. Or, you know, why should I have to access Jesus? Why, why should I have to, to ask him to forgive my sins? Why should I have to try and follow him? Like, I'm a good person. My being good should be enough. That should be enough to get me in the heaven. I have more good things than bad things. Right? And we're mad at God because he doesn't play by our rules. But he's God. So God says, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. First Peter also talks about Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, Nikki actually took this picture. She wasn't standing outside the, the van. And uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie. It's a, an older movie called The Ghost in the Darkness. And it's, it's based on a true story of two brother lions that would prowl around they were building a a railroad across Africa and and, in India and there were two male lions that would prowl around and then in the darkness they would go charge into the camp grab somebody and pull them out of the camp and eat them and by the time they like they 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 killed over a hundred over a hundred people right and they would just wait they would look for weaknesses. Like, they build these big fences around, and they would wait to, to go in. And that's kind of the picture where Satan's always kind of looking at us. He's feeding us this little temptation, feeding us that little temptation, distracting us with this, distracting us with that, and trying to, to break us down and make us fall. You know, and as I was thinking about this, I was going, my sin is never a surprise to me. My sin is never a surprise to me. Like, I can see greed building. I can see lust building. I can see anger or bitterness building. I can see impatience building. So it's not, I sin and like, oops, what, where, what, how, right? (laughs) That doesn't happen. And God is highlighting in Cain's heart and mind this is happening to you. If you don't nip this in the bud, you're going to break down. He says, if you don't become the victor over your sin, then you'll become a victim of your sin. I like that little quote. If you don't become a, victim, a victor over your sin, then you'll become a victim of your sin. So Cain gives in to his anger. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. Cain lost his battle to sin. He allowed his jealousy, bitterness, and age to win, and he intentionally took his brother to a secluded place and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And I can almost hear Cain with kind of, I'm not putting down any, you know, middle school age kids. I taught some. I'm kind of hearing that tone. And Abel says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Right? Like that sarcastic, you know, snarky thing that we, I used to do that too. Um, But God knew where Abel was. He knew that Abel had been killed. He knew what had happened. And just like in the garden with Adam and Eve, where he said, Adam, Eve, where are you? He was giving Cain a chance to come clean. He was giving Cain a chance to to humble himself, right? Like when Cain realized his sacrifice wasn't good, wasn't accepted by God, if he would have humbled himself and said, God, I'm sorry, I've messed up. Help me do this better. Help me learn to do this better. And so God is giving Cain a, another chance to kind of come clean, and Cain doesn't. He kind of instead of saying, "You know, I did this. I I, I broke down. I gave in," he says, "I don't. Am I my brother's keeper?" So God responds with justice. And the Lord said, "What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. So I know what you did. And now you're cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer of the earth." I have uh, both my grand sets of grandparents were farmers a number of uncles that are farmers, cousins that are still farmers. The worst thing for a farmer is to have a crop failure, right? Because it means either in the old, older time when you didn't have something saved, it meant your family went hungry. It went, meant that you had no money coming in. So for a farmer to lose their crop, to be cut off from the ground, is like the worst thing. And so here's... here's Cain, the tiller of the ground, and now he's told, no matter what you do, no matter how much fertilizer you put on there, no matter how many weeds you pull, the ground is not going to yield to you in the same way. Then he says, you're going to be a fugitive and a wanderer, so you're going to be out on your own. You're going to be kind of cut off from your immediate family. So right away what's Cain's response? Does Cain fall on his face? Does Cain ask for forgiveness? No, Cain starts whining. It's like it's too much. You're too mean to me. He says my punishment's greater than I can bear. Well, duh. Behold, you've driven me today from away from the ground and from your face I shall be hidden. But his punishment actually isn't too much. When you look at Levitical law a little bit later on, and it's an eye for an eye, it's a life for a life, right? God was sparing his life. And then he continues to whine I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. So I actually thought of who are the whoever's. There's Adam and Eve and all the rest of their children. So all the rest of his brothers and sisters uh, and their offspring, so it would have been, you know, cousins, nieces, nephews, all those things, you know. So the cousin who grew up with Abel going, oh, it's sweet Uncle Abel. He lets me play with his little baby lambs, right? And then Cain killed him, you know. So those are the people that he's actually afraid of now. Instead of the, the family, That he had before. He's now afraid of these people. And there's that added separation. And God still grants another degree of mercy and grace in the middle of this punishment. God says to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. And Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And I, would, I don't have time to jump into a, a next little section which actually elaborates on Cain getting married and Cain's lineage and how it becomes a lineage that's away from God, that's separated from God, that's, that's all doing their own thing. This, he sets up his own little town or city community that has nothing to do with God. And so then the the passage, I'm going to jump up to Genesis 4.25, which brings Eve, Adam and Eve, back into the picture. Because the line that God had, had started through Seth, that would have taken the, or through Abel, sorry, the line God started through Abel, which would have gone all the way through to Jesus, has been severed. So it says... Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named his, called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. And so there's a new baby in the picture. There's a new line coming down. And maybe he's surprised at his future. And it's actually really cool when you read a little bit more about the line of Seth. Because it says, in his generation, people turned their faces toward God. So his offspring, where Cain started this whole live for yourself, celebrate evil community. The line of Seth are people who worship God, who spoke to God. His son is Enoch. It says, Enoch walked with God. And God was so pleased, he took him. Right? That was the new line. So I'm going to wrap up. The promise was not forgotten. Here's some takeaways. In spite of Satan's plans to thwart God's promise, God is still in control. God hasn't changed. He values the worshiper as much as the worship. He values the heart of the offerer as much as the offering. He sees the roots of sin in our hearts and addresses that, encouraging us to take the right action. When we fail, he still offers us grace and forgiveness and calls us to soften our hearts and humble ourselves before him and ask for his forgiveness. God's judgments are right. He loves us, and he's jealous for our hearts and minds. And I'd like to close with one last scripture, Micah six verse eight, which kind of, to me, kind of wrapped it up. It said, "He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, and to love mercy." And to walk humbly with your God. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. That reaches out to us over and over again. That calls us to be righteous. Righteous. And that empowers us to be righteous and reminds us to be righteous and forgives us when we're not righteous. We thank you that you have accepted us as we are, but that you love us so much that you don't want us to stay the way we are. We pray that we would become mindful of you, Lord, that like Daniel, we would grow in character and integrity So, that the worst they could say about us was that we prayed consistently. We thank you again for your grace and mercy and the lessons that you give us from your word. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day.